Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Donald Trump is going to be America's next president. How should investors respond? Who will be the losers from the lifetime ISA? The savings account for the under-40s is set to launch next April, but a former pensions minister joins us to speak out about potential mis-selling risk. And Tesco's unidentified hackers in the banking area. Security experts tell us why this week's 2.5 million cyber heist marks a major departure from previous online scams. Welcome to The Money Show, the FT's most popular weekly podcast. I'm Claire Barrett, FT Money Editor, and I'll be giving you this week's money news in downloadable form. Firstly... The US presidential election results hasn't caused the Trump slump on markets so far that many investors feared. I'm joined in the FT studio by Amy Williams, FT Money reporter, who has been speaking to investors and fund managers, gauging their reaction to the result. Amy, welcome to The Money Show. Hello. So Donald Trump has delivered America's Brexit, in the words of FT columnist Robert Shrimsley. But unlike the 24th of June, we haven't seen world stock markets react with fear. What's been happening this morning? Well, I think because it is America's Brexit and we've just seen Brexit, investors are a little calmer about President Trump and what he might do than they were about Brexit. So when we had Brexit, we obviously saw stock markets slide quite violently the morning after the vote. Mm. This morning, we haven't really seen that. We've seen some dips, but nothing anywhere near as dramatic as what we saw in the Brexit aftermath. So I think Things are less frightening the second time round. People feel a bit more confident. There's also a bit more optimism on US equities, actually, than I expected to hear this morning. So speaking to fund managers, they're broadly positive on um, the prospects for US equities. So President Trump has said he will cut taxes and cut regulation. And these things are potentially quite good for corporate American companies. So, yeah, people are not panicking too much yet. Summing up the responses of the fund managers you've spoken to, what have been their reactions, not just in terms of US stocks, but also European, UK registered companies? Well, people at the moment are quite curious about what Trump will do as president, whether he will actually put into force all the policies that he's been talking about in his campaign. So one fund manager said to me this morning that Donald Trump has promised everything to everyone and that's not actually possible to deliver. So (laughs) he can't spend on infrastructure and cut taxes and protect benefits for ex-veterans and all these things. So people are a bit uncertain about what will happen. There are some consensus views. So 
people are quite keen on the idea of him spending on infrastructure. And this right. has helped mining stocks this morning because okay. they'll benefit from that kind of fiscal policy. Emerging markets are the other thing that fund managers are talking about this morning. So they're not quite sure what to do with that one. So This is because of the trade implications. Exactly. So if Trump is as aggressive towards China and Mexico as he's been on the campaign trail, so obviously he said he would build a wall on the border of Mexico, um, he said some pretty rude things about China as well. This bodes quite ill for emerging market stocks. Those countries and those economies tend to do well when they have good exports to the US, so they're quite sensitive to trade relations with the US. And if Trump threatens those things, that's not good for them. Well, thanks very much there to Amy Williams. You can read the FT Money take on what the US election means for your investments, including a column from Merrin Somerset Webb on Saturday as part of the FT Weekend newspaper, or read online now at ft.com slash money. Still to come on The Money Show, who will be the losers from the new Lifetime ISA? Before that, around 9,000 customers of Tesco Bank had money stolen from their online banking accounts last weekend in a large-scale security breach which the supermarket group says will cost £2.5 million. Thought to be the UK's biggest cyber heist, money has now been refunded to customer accounts and a criminal investigation has been launched to find out what happened. But does the scale of this hack show how cybercrime is evolving? And what can lovers of online banking do to protect themselves? I'm joined on the line by cybersecurity expert Professor Alan Woodward. Welcome to The Money Show. So tell us what's different, do you think, about the Tesco bank hack? and Why does it worry you? It worries me because it appears to be a departure or rather a new form of tactic that the cyber criminals are using. We don't know exactly how this was done yet, although the banks say they do know how exactly it was mm. done. We're reading between the lines. There's one of two ways it really could have been done. One, the, the, the core banking systems could have been compromised. I would be really surprised if that has happened. If it yeah. has, then we've got a really big problem. The other way is potentially that the data was harvested somehow. Say people's debit card details were harvested. And the reason this is different is it was a smash and grab. They were trying to use them all very quickly all at once so that you know they could get away with it when nobody noticed. The big issue is we don't know yet, but it is interesting what Tesco have already said. They've confirmed that it was debit card transactions they stopped for safety reasons, so it suggests it is something to do with those cards. They do also say, as you rightly pointed out there in the introduction, they've refunded everybody, but of course, you know, it was about two and a half million pounds lost, and none of these things are victimless crimes, so we will all end up paying with that for that in the end. And that, yeah, in banking terms, it may not sound a huge amount of money, but in terms of cyber heist, if you like, it's probably one of the biggest we've seen as a single event in the UK. Well, as consumers, what can we do to protect ourselves from these kind of attacks? Well, unfortunately, if it is the bank that's been hit directly, not a lot. Obviously, the big question in all of this is, let's suppose it is a mass debit card fraud, effectively some sort of automated form of that. The big question is, where did the data come from? It may be, for example, that a retailer was hacked and it it was from there, or it's still within the bounds of possibility that lots of people's computers were hit with a piece of malware. For example, we know Drydex, there's a piece of malware called Drydex, has been hitting the UK banking system for some time, gathering people's details. It may be that the criminals, and this is where it would be a departure in tactics, they've saved all these up and hit one bank all at once. I think all we can really say is that users have to adopt the same things we've been banging on about for ages in terms of protecting their own personal data. And what we'll find is that this is down to somebody else having unfortunately not looked after all of our data properly. So what do you think the banks then should be doing? This is something they're all worried about. 
Absolutely. Obviously, if it's a core banking system breach, you know, major investigation time. I think they need to do kind of what they're doing already. To their credit, Tesco spotted this very quickly. They're talking now that it's about 9,000 people actually lost money. All the banks, obviously, as you know, they all have systems in place to spot unusual transactions. I know very well when I had my own card um, cloned, for example, it was very quickly that the card company phoned up and said, were you buying shoes here and in a restaurant there and all this? They knew we actually all are quite boring. So that, <laughs> that's what alerted the bank to this, that there were some unusual transactions going on. And, and it was even more unusual and it was going on across a lot of accounts all at once. And so they were able to pull the plug before, in some ways, and it doesn't help the people that were affected, but obviously in some ways it was limited damage. Obviously the inconvenience, and if you're trying to feed the kids and it's your only source of money and it's all been taken out, that doesn't help you. But from a banking perspective, it hopefully was limited. And the big thing that all the banks can do is learn from this. They all do share information. It's interesting that the Information Commissioner, the FCA, and the National Crime Agency are all involved in this. And one of the things that the National Crime Agency does is use GCHQ, and GCHQ has a system called CISP, where with big companies like banks, they share intelligence on these mm. attacks. And so one of the things they'll be doing, and have already done, will be instantly telling people this is a new form of attack or this is the kind of attack that was mounted so they can all keep a double check on those, those aspects of their own systems. Well, that sounds comforting. But what will this do, do you think, for banking competition in the UK more widely? Do you think that the online challenger banks will suffer from this attack? I think they probably will. I mean, it's quite interesting that obviously when Tesco Bank themselves started up and it was a joint venture with RBS, they were using some of RBS systems, which you know people will look at and say, oh, they're old aged systems. But of course, they have proven to be really rather secure. When Tesco bought them out and moved across their own systems, and I think some of them are even run on things like Amazon Web Services, there is going to be a suspicion in people's minds that these challenger banks, when they're not using white-labeled services from traditional banks and their computing infrastructure, maybe some of this new technology they're using is not quite up to the job. But I would say that even though they're new systems, quite often they're actually it's old software that's being run. So you know it might be being run on new bits of tin, but uh, you know we're still running old COBOL programs and things to try and actually get some of these challenger banks up and running. So it might be slightly unfair if the challenger banks are labeled like that. But having said that, one of the reasons the criminals will target them is because they will imagine that they don't necessarily have the expertise in spotting these things, etc. So they're going to to push the boundaries. They're going to see if they do represent this soft underbelly. Thanks very much there to Professor Alan Woodman. You can read more about this story online now at ft.com slash money. In less than six months, millions of younger savers will have the opportunity to open a lifetime ISA and potentially grab a grand from the government towards buying their first home or to save for retirement. Those aged 18 to 40 can receive a taxpayer-funded bonus of 25% on savings up to £4,000 a year, worth up to £1,000 to them. The catch? It can only be used to buy your first home or accessed from age 60, otherwise penalties apply. But the Lisa, as it's known, has also caused jitters amongst consumer campaigners who are worried young people may be tempted out of workplace pensions in favour of the lifetime ISA and actually be left worse off in retirement as a result. Baroness Ros Altman, the former pensions minister, is one of those voicing concerns and she now joins us in the studio to discuss. Thanks for joining us, Ros. Pleasure to be here, Claire. So firstly, what's worrying you about the lifetime ISA? First of all, this product is called a lifetime ISA but it has all the behavioural pushes that will mean it's not going to last a lifetime. We do need lifetime savings. We do need savings for later life, but we already have pensions. Introducing a new ISA product 
complicates the ISA brand and also will confuse a number of people about how best to save for retirement if they don't really understand just why pensions are by far the best way for most people to do so. Do you really think that young people will be tempted out of workplace pension schemes, for example, to save into the LISA? There is already some evidence, and I've certainly spoken to people anecdotally, who are saying, well, maybe I should opt out of my workplace pension because this lifetime ISA sounds like a great deal. You get 25% extra from the government on your savings, which clearly indicates that they don't understand that if you're in a pension the very minimum extra you will get from the government is 25% because it's the equivalent of basic rate tax relief. But in addition to that, they haven't appreciated that they would lose the employer contribution to their pension, which is extra money over and above the 25% extra they will get. And also, if you're in a workplace pension and your employer is putting money in for you, you may get tax and national insurance relief on that contribution, which you wouldn't get if you opted out and put your money into a different product. In addition to which, the benefits of pension saving have been built up over many years of experience because at the beginning, pensions didn't work so well for consumers. There were lots of ways in which companies were not necessarily offering great deals. And ICEs are a bit like that. You know, there are no proper consumer protections in an ISA. There's no controls on the charges. Lots of people will use an ISA as cash savings or short-term savings. And that's what they're really good for. But to try and lock your money for 20 years into a product with no real consumer protection that has a very big penalty if you want to take the money back out again and does not have the right incentives to ensure that that money will work as well as possible for you in your later life, seems to me to be a very unwise way to try and help people plan for their long-term financial future. Very clearly explained. In the FT Money debate that we held, that you participated in this week, you used the M word, mis-selling. The FCA is still to decide how the lifetime ISA should be sold. Do you think restrictions should be placed on its sale? I absolutely believe that this product must not be sold carelessly. ISAs, generally speaking, can be quite freely distributed because they tend not to be a complicated product. This new one is a complicated product. And I would say to any provider considering offering this, be very careful. Think down the line, another few years hence. If you are just selling this product to people, and there are no suitability checks and no proper risk warnings to make sure that they haven't opted out of a workplace pension into this, that they do understand just how much the penalty will be if they want to take the money out, and that they do realise that if they were giving up an employer contribution or higher rate tax relief, they will be significantly worse off, then there is a real danger. There is no doubt a danger that in coming years... Those people who buy that product and haven't properly understood it and nobody bothered to explain it properly to them could come back to you and say, as the provider, why didn't you warn me? Why didn't you explain this to me? Why didn't you tell me? If this product is only sold as a pension or a quasi-pension or retirement (laughs) savings vehicle to people who've got financial advisors helping them, that's okay. 
Because some people, for example, if you've already put £40,000 into a pension or if you've already reached the lifetime limit and got protection so you can't put any more money into a pension, would do well from this financial product. And financial advisors would probably say, yes, why don't you use it? Some people who have got grandchildren or children and want to save for their future could give them money and get this free uplift from the taxpayer. But quite frankly, I don't quite understand why today's taxpayers should be subsidising those people to help them to save. We already have ISAs. We already have a whole range of different ISAs. And in fact, we already have a help to buy ISA, which can help people get extra money from the taxpayer to help them afford to buy their first home. And for that purpose, this product is fine. It's basically a souped up help to buy ISA. But trying to masquerade as a pension undermines pensions, helps people misunderstand the benefits of pensions rather than helping them understand how best to plan to save for retirement. Now, just one final question to sneak in. Looking ahead to the autumn statement, 23rd of November, do you think the way that the lifetime ISA works could pave the way to further changes to pensions tax relief? I think there is a body of opinion that might want to turn our current pension system, which actually has all the right behavioural nudges and is better than most people have yet appreciated from that perspective, on its head and move pensions into ISAs, take away the tax break, B-R-A-K-E, at the end, which encourages people not to spend their pensions too soon and makes sure that they will have money Mm. in their 80s. I hope that the government will not do anything radical in the autumn statement. My indications suggest they won't. But at the end of the day, we do need to help people better understand pensions rather than trying to throw out the current system, which is really good, and bring in something that is much worse, that risks mis-selling, and that providers should probably steer well clear of unless they're selling it to someone who has got proper advice. The FCA needs to wake up here. Well, thanks very much. That was Baroness Ros Altman, the former Pensions Minister. You can read our cover feature, Who Will Be the Losers from the Lifetime ISA, in FT Money this weekend, or online from this Friday on ft.com slash money. We'd love to hear your views on the Trump victory, Lifetime ISAs and money matters more generally. You can email us money at ft.com, tweet us at ftmoney or comment on our articles online at ft.com slash money. The Money Show will be back next Thursday at the usual time. Goodbye. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy the FT's Banking Weekly. It's presented by me, Patrick Jenkins, the financial editor at the FT, and I'm joined by a team and an external guest every week. You can find this every Tuesday at ft.com slash podcasts. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. 
Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.